Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. So at some point at the beginning of the year, I was speaking on a panel about company culture when someone asked me about the importance that hiring plays in building your culture. I started to answer the question by talking about hiring for cultural fit when one of the panelists that I was sharing the stage with interrupted me to tell me that I was wrong and that really I should be hiring for values fit. Since then, I've become completely obsessed with this idea and we're definitely advocates of it at Charlie. And so today I'm excited to be joined by the person that did indeed interrupt me live on stage, Brett Putter, CEO of Culture Gene. Hey Brett, how you doing mate? Ben, good. Good, thanks. Good to be on the podcast. Yeah. So um, before we talk about Culture Gene and what you do and what your, um, I guess, purpose is in this world, uh, tell us a bit about why you are so excited and passionate about the world of company culture. Well, I think this is the coming tsunami wave um, of company culture. I think the the world has been lacking in company culture. And over the last five to 10 years, people have become more and more aware of how important it is. And for many years, you've had some companies that have used company culture as a competitive advantage and a business asset. Now more and more companies realize how important it is and more and more companies are moving in into defining their culture, embedding their culture and using it as an asset. Mm. And um and so tell us what Culture Gene is all about and what you kind of do on a day-to-day basis. So Culture Gene is a culture development software platform. We uh, a small team of people who help companies essentially define, embed, and manage their culture. Uh, we use software for distributed teams, and we run workshops online to help companies go through this process. Most companies will define their values and stick them up on the metaphorical wall and say, okay, good luck, let's go and live these values. But actually, the embedding and managing of the culture is the bit that we work with companies on. So our process is actually a 12-month process where we work with companies to deliver this program. Very nice. And you've written you've written two books. You're about to publish your second, I think. Yeah, that's right. So the, so the book that's about to be published is called Own Your Culture. And it's basically about how to define, embed, and manage your company culture. And that will be uh, published on the 30th of September. The first book I wrote was actually the result of a failure uh, because actually I started writing Own Your Culture and just hit a wall, just couldn't see the words for the trees. And I and I decided to write a little marketing ebook around culture decks because I'd written a blog post that gets a lot of shares and still gets a lot of traffic. And um, I thought, this would just be a really cool little project on the side and clear my head. And it turned into a 277-page book that was published in 2018. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 just a, it's just a nice little 
almost a side project that worked out really well. And it allowed me to get back to really focusing down on writing Own Your Culture. And I guess as, as an individual, someone that's passionate about company culture, have you experienced both good and bad company cultures in your time? Um, so I'm a yes and no. <laughs> so in my, from my point of view, there's no such thing as a good or a bad culture. There's only a strong or a weak, functional or dysfunctional. So um, I've, I have uh, experienced cultures that were not great for me as an environment. And I've experienced cultures that were amazing. And I've actually experienced that in one company, funnily enough, where the culture changed over time and went from really good to really, really bad um, because of leadership and so on. So, yeah, I've, 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 I've run the gamut um, of, of different cultural experiences. Yeah, you're being, you're being Brett's being very modest. Uh, he's a bit of a guru when it comes to all of this stuff. So yeah, very excited to have you with us today, and and um, yeah, really appreciate your words of wisdom. So, what is wrong with hiring for cultural fit? It's impossible. So, I ask when I ask um, CEOs or hiring managers to just accurately describe their culture. I, I will sometimes get a list of values at best, but most people I ask the question can't describe their culture. That's understandable because it's in most companies, it's this subconscious, invisible, intangible thing that happens below the surface. So if you can't describe your culture, how can you hire for it? And what are you hiring against? Essentially, if you talk about hiring for culture fit, you're hiring against gut instinct. And that's, has fundamental flaws in that the gut instinct is biased and it's not scalable. So when when leaders and CEOs and VCs talk about hiring for culture fit, a little piece of me dies every time because I, it's just not possible to do if you if you're going to be if you're going to do hiring properly. Yeah, it's really interesting. You talked about. You talk about gut instinct, and I think actually that is kind of what people mean when they talk about cultural fit. Yeah, it's it's the only explanation I can come up with because there is there is no other data around what they're hiring against, um, or there's no data that they're hiring against. And the problem with gut instinct is it's individual. And so, you know, each person has will have a different interpretation. Their gut will tell them something either maybe the same or different. And actually, if you've done a good job initially of building this team that fits in with your values, actually, then you may have a similar gut instinct. But once it starts to scale, it really falls apart. What do you think has popularized this idea you know, and I know things are slightly changing, and I think that's a really good thing. But what popularized this idea of hiring for cultural fit? I think somebody, and I don't know who it was, came up with this term to to define high, recruiting beyond just skills and experience. And looking at the CV and going, can this person do the job or not? 
because actually you need to do more. And and culture fit was the easiest thing to do because actually culture is amorphous. The way we do this part of the interview process is a little bit, it's, it's, you know, it's not disciplined or structured. So it's okay to use that. And we can say we hire for culture fit. And then if we get it wrong, we can tick it off as, you know, just a mistake. And, mm. you know, something you can, you can sort of backfill that the reason why that person wasn't right. But I think culture fit just came because you people needed to describe recruiting beyond what was typically how people recruited in the in sort of 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I guess what I'm interested to understand before we look at the solution is because there will be people listening to this podcast who are hiring on Culture Fit right now. In fact, that was me a year and a half ago. Uh, maybe less, maybe less than that. So, what are the challenges that hiring on culture fit creates for the organisation? First, the first one, which is increasingly more important right now, is lack of diversity. So, what hiring for culture fit means is that we're hiring for people like us, and you know, if if, if your team starts off incredibly diverse, you may continue to hire diverse people. You've got a good chance that you will. But actually, most teams don't necessarily start off diverse, especially in the tech industry where, where, we, where we work. So I think diversity takes a hit on culture fit. And the second challenge is that your culture is changing all the time. And so I ask the leaders I'm talking to now, how are you recruiting differently now than you were eight months ago? Because actually, are you recruiting the same people or are you now recruiting for the change in your culture, which means the change in the way you work? So are you now evaluating candidates in how they communicate via written word, spoken word and video? Or is that something that you're not including yet because you haven't thought about it because you haven't thought about your culture changing? And so when you were 10 people in an office, you operated in a certain way. You, you could all see one another, yell at one another, and you knew what was going on. But then when you grew to 50 or 200, your culture changes. The way we work around here changes. And so if you are still recruiting for when you are 10, with that mindset for when you are 50, you're going to be making a lot of mistakes because your culture changes all the time. I think those are the two really big challenges. Mm. Yeah, I, def- I, def- I definitely feel that. And I think, um, you know, I probably would rather not admit it, but there have definitely been points and moments where I've gone for the candidate that I feel most comfortable with, right, in front of. And that's that's hiring for people like us. And that is not building a diverse uh, team. And, and, you know, it's all very well saying that we want to build diverse organizations but actually doing it is a completely different thing and i think this is definitely one of the one of the key changes that we've made that have helped us take small but important steps towards doing that so when did your perspective shift to thinking about values fit um where did that where did that all come from when was the kind of light bulb moment so before I founded 
culture gene, I ran an executive search firm. And I was lucky enough about four and a half years now, almost five years ago, I think, to be asked by a CEO, actually three CEOs, almost in a row. Um, and one in particular said to me, I don't want you to just hire for skills and experience. I want you to hire somebody who matches our values. And, and hiring on its own, recruitment on its own, is, is actually it's not an easy job to do. And then adding this whole values piece on top of it as a headhunter, it added a whole new dimension. And it was a difficult process to get through. But once the, um, once the interviews started and once the interactions happened, you could actually just see it was almost as if these can, the, you know, the candidate and the CEO in some cases had been dancing tango for 10 years. They, 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 they were on a different wavelength to other candidates who didn't match the values so well. And I then did some research on it, and I came across Zappos, who, who actually created a really good structure around this. And so I realized that there, was, there is a way to build a structure around hiring for values um, and use that on an ongoing basis. So actually, while I still ran the search firm, I would meet meet a, a client and hand them a piece of paper with 100 values on it if they hadn't defined their values and say, choose 10, just so that we can start the conversation so I can get to, get to know you better. And that's how I started to develop what's now Culture Gene. So what do you think the benefits are for the organization that hires on values fit rather than culture fit? What are the outcomes? So the first area is that um, your, your values remain, if they're well-defined, remain relatively, remain relatively constant over time. So you know what you're hiring against and you can build a process around that to recruit effectively. Um, and so you can interview in a meaningful way against them. You can also, it's, it's very scalable. So with my clients, we train all the hiring people, all anybody who's going to be interviewed, anybody who's going to be involved in the interview process is trained on how to do values-based hiring. And after a couple of interviews, they pick it up and, and it's, 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 really, it's really quite natural if you give them the right structure. And I find that there is a confidence around the interview process because what we do is we actually score candidates based on the fit with the values. So, and we score them based on the vividness of their answer or the believability of their answer to specific values-based questions. And that gives a, a level of confidence that you can't have with gut instinct because it's, it's just something else. And what we're seeing in, in the, in the, um, in the processes that our clients run is that there is, there is just a, there is a, there is more of a, a belief in the culture, belief in the values, because it works backwards as well. If you, if, if you're encouraging your team to interview against values, it demonstrates how important these values are. And that gets communicated to the successful candidate who joins the company, who then is, you know, has demonstrated those values and it's a self-fulfilling. It's, it's, it's it starts to snowball. Mm. And I assume that that means that 
the quality of hiring across a period of time just consistently increases, right? Because the people that you're built, you're bringing into the organization and therefore then that are doing the future hiring are, are way more aligned than they would have been if you hadn't been thinking about values at interview stage. Absolutely. You, you see it, um, you see it very quickly after a small number of recruits, you, 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 it's it's almost like everybody part of a gang almost you know they're, they're, we, we we know why we're here and we know how to keep the wrong people out and we know how to attract the right people so strong culture is magnetic both both from a repulse the wrong and attract the right and it, it becomes a, a, the, the it, it almost becomes cult like in the way people view the, the, the organization and, and the way they protect the company. I guess there might be people that think, oh, you know, cult-like, that's, you know, these high and mighty tech startups. You know, is that, is that, a, is that a bad thing? So there's, there's being cult, a cult, and being cult-like. And I think being cult-like has their shades of gray in it. Um, but actually... The, the the defining difference between the two is in a cult the leader removes your ability for the ability for independent thought and actually in a cult like environment especially in tech we encourage independent thought because we want that backwards and forwards we want feedback we want to be told no we want to be dis, you know argued but we want to have a a, a a strong discussion so we get to the right place mm. and so people do get are sensitized or sensitive to this cult-like, but actually the best companies are cult-like. And I believe the best run companies are cult-like. And you can choose the level to which you, you know, you get you go all the way and and, and you can you can call Amazon cult-like or you can call Apple cult-like. Uh, but the but the majority of the world's population would probably like to work at those companies. So you that's what you get up, you get from it. Hmm. So if values fit is what we should be doing rather than culture fit, you know, why aren't more people doing it? Is it because it's harder than hiring for culture fit? It is harder um, on the one hand because culture fit is my gut instinct and I, I don't have to I, – I almost can't justify it. I don't have to show a number. I don't have to prove it. I just go, yep, this person feels right. If you're going to do – values fit correctly you've got to have well-defined values and what most the mistake most companies make is they leave those values there but what what we take our clients through is defining the values then defining the expected behaviors against those values and if you have expected behaviors then you can build interview questions against those expected behaviors so for example if the value is teamwork and the expected behavior is the team always comes first the interview question is, when last did you take one for the team and why? And that interview question opens up a smorgasbord of opportunity to explore this candidate at, at the, many layers of the onion deeper than most interview questions. Mm. So it is harder. 
And do you think that puts people off from doing it? Or do you think it's an awareness thing? Do you think it's that actually this is an education piece and, and it just requires more people to be talking about it and kind of waving the flag for values fit as a way to build great, diverse teams? It's 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 a, both an education piece, but it's also a requirement for the determination to change. You've got to change your process a little bit to do this. So you've got to define... Um, values-based interview questions that are senior, junior, engineering, software, sales, marketing, product. So you've got you've got to work quite hard on building the right type of values-based interview question database. And then somebody has to take the responsibility of saying, we're recruiting this type of person and we've got three people doing these interviews. Person number one ask these questions. Person number two ask these questions. Person number three ask these questions. Score each candidate. And then give us that, you know, give us those scores. And then let's look at the candidate. So it's a slightly different process um, that most companies are not aware of they, that they need to do, they need to change. And I'm not sure a lot of companies will be thinking about it because it's just get people in the door. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about hiring there. What, are there any other things that we need to change as part of our hiring process? you know, apart from question design? So actually, the hiring process starts long before the interview. So if you think about the candidate touch points of the hiring process, you've got the website, company website, you've got social media, you've got the job ad, the job description, you've got the interview process, then you've got onboarding, probation, and the first review. And if you look at most companies, their values and culture are not really given done justice to on their websites. It's maybe an afterthought in their career page, but they don't really communicate re- very well the, the company's culture and, and how they live the culture as a corporate entity. And similarly on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a, you know, it's just this, that thing over there that will add a little bit about the values maybe. Um, but it's LinkedIn is an opportunity once again to communicate uh, about your culture and how the culture works. Other social media, YouTube, Twitter, etc. The good companies are blanketing every single touch point with their culture and how they how important their values are, what their teams are doing to live their values, because you want to repeat this so that the repetition starts to embed early, but also you want to repeat so that. The candidates that don't feel this culture's for them can just slip off and not waste their time and your time. Mm. Do you think there's do you think there's enough hiring managers out there that have been through that process that understand all those um all those all those all those different aspects? Or do you think we have um do you think we've got a challenge to convince more people that this is the way to go? I do think we have a challenge to convince more people that this is the way to go because it's hard enough doing what we're doing right now. And during this pandemic time, it's, it's even harder. And actually, this is, this is the time where, where you've got the opportunity to make changes. You've got the opportunity to look at the systems and look at the processes and go, how can we change this to be better now? Um, but I, do, I think this is just more about education and demonstrating the effectiveness of it. Mm. I mean, touching on, I guess, the pandemic and the fact that maybe some of us are going to be 
hiring people in a remote fashion, right? We might be um, doing interviews uh, via video. We're not meeting face-to-face to do them. Do you think that that makes thinking about values fit more or less important? It's it's critically important, um, but it's not more or less important than it would previously be in for a company that was hiring against values. They would just change their interview process to, to do it in a, in, in a slightly, maybe slightly different way. But actually, most companies are not adapting to the, to remote recruitment, I believe, the way they should be. And actually, if you look at what companies like Hotjar or companies like GitLab do on their recruitment side, they, they create, they create different opportunities and they use technology in different ways, not just to, to, to interview, but actually to work with candidates. So, so that they, they create space and time to interact with the candidates, not just on an interview level, but actually on a, on a work on a project or work on a specific task with us in the company over the course of the next two weeks. So we get an understanding. Can you, do you work like us? Do you not only, not only do you fit our values? But also, do you work the way we do? Can you work, you know, if, if, if it's a company like, I can't remember if it's automatic or GitHub now, but one of them does not use email. Mm. You know, so, so there's no email and um, there's no synchronous communication. I think it's GitLab, GitHub, sorry. Um, but, you know, they, they literally, unless it's an emergency, everything is asynchronous. And how are companies moving going to be moved to asynchronous communication? Because you can't keep up synchronous communication in a remote or a hybrid environment. You're just going to burn people out. So this this is a whole different you know kettle of fish that we're opening can of worms we're opening here. Well, maybe we need to find we'll do another podcast on on people's transition to hybrid and how that works. So. You know, I came into this being fully bought in anyway, and I'm sure that there are people out there who are who are listening who are thinking, okay, this is something that we need that we need to explore within our organization. You know, specifically in terms of you know building a team that is engaged and um, is aligned around trying to do what the company is trying to do, but also in terms of di- um, building a diverse team, uh, a team that can represent the customers that you're serving. What are the three bits of advice for someone what, sitting here thinking, yeah, we probably need to change our, a bit of our hiring process and we need to adapt and start thinking about values fit? What are the three bits of advice that you would give them, the things that they could do today? So if the values haven't been defined, define the value, define the values for your company. If your values have been defined, make sure that they are being lived and relevant and are um, not not all your values will be relevant to everybody all the time, but make sure that they are relevant to the broad the broader population of your of your company. Often, a leadership team will say these are the values and you know impose them, and actually they're not the they're not the values in, in the rest of the organization. So first of all, make sure your values are relevant. Then, as I mentioned in time, I mentioned some time. Back, invest in defining the behaviors that you would expect from those values. So what does it mean to be 
transparent? What does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean? And actually, this is where this is the way cultures are different. Often, our values sound the same, but actually, the way we deliver on those values, the way we behave, are different. And so, define the behaviors associated with that. And then the third thing, if you're going to go into values-based interviews, is have two people do the, va- the, the values-based interview process. Split it up so that you've got skills and experience being evaluated. And then have, if you're going to dedicate um, a team, have two people do the interview, the values-based interview, so that they both learn from each other as how to, how to judge this, especially in the early days. Yeah, super nice. I think there's so many people out there that maybe have done that values exercise but haven't defined the behaviours. And as someone that's been through that that kind of very process that you define, I cannot stress enough how important it is to do that. If if you have values but you haven't explained what the appropriate behaviours are around them, then people just aren't going to know how to act and um, how to behave within, within the environment. Absolutely. so key and so wise from a man who knows so much about culture and i feel like him and i could speak forever but we're not going to do that we are going to wrap up today's episode um i need to say a massive thank you to brett for joining us today thank you brett really appreciate the time and really appreciate you being here with us my my absolute pleasure been um it's uh as you said you and i you and i could spend hours and hours discussing this and uh i think we should someday we will, maybe over some whiskey or a beer. Um, and uh, i got to thank Mel, our producer behind the virtual glass, for keeping the show on the road and making sure uh, that we are here every week uh, recording and putting together great content for you. Uh, to all of you, wherever you are, we really appreciate you listening along. Um, we wouldn't be here without you, so thank you. Remember, if you've got an issue you'd like us to discuss, please drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter, and we are at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week I've been Ben Brantzagay, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast.